This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Cult of Luna will release their new album, A Dawn to Fear, the band's first material under their sole name since 2013's Vertical 1 and 2. A record comprised of eight tracks running 79 minutes, A Dawn to Fear embodies everything the band's faithful have come to expect from them while covering new ground. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash cult of luna. Once again, metalblade.com slash cult of luna. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast, what is going on, everybody? Is I your host, Petter Speich? I am always joined by... My name's Brandon Hahn, you goddamn son of a bitch. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And Jocelyn Sharp is on the road. Make sure you guys in North America check those dates, jocelynsharp.com. And if you want to follow her, at Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, guys, we get to talk to Mika from Monolord, one of my favorite new bands. We are going to talk about No Comfort, which is coming out September 20th. And make sure everybody in North America, you check out the tour, which starts November 5th. Runs all the way till Thanksgiving out here. That includes you too, Mexico. You're North America. Yeah, and Canada. All you guys, check out those dates. Um, but before we get into the interview, as always, we love to talk about the Metal Sucks news. First story I wanted to talk about, I'm a film guy. I talk about film all the time on the show. I'm a fan. I have a degree in it. Anyways, the point is, Fred Durst put out a film. Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. Not his first. He's put out quite a few. This one started John Travolta, and unfortunately, it did not make money at the box office. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that Fred Durst mm-hmm. and John Travolta... Sounds both like of them sounds like a winning pair. Yeah, both of them. The last time they were considered winners was like uh, early two thousands. Mm, I'm not going to touch that. Late nineties. They're still winners. They're more winners than us. They're definitely more. Win- well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying they're not winners, but I guess what you mean is is their draw and yeah. their, their their power was. Uh, I'd say Travolta two thousand. Dude, how many of these young kids even know who John Travolta is? How many of these young kids uh, even know what Pulp Fiction is? I I'm not going to touch that, but I'm pretty sure that Greece is still as powerful as ever. Grease is one of those things that just go from high sc- horrible high school musical production to horrible high school musical production for decades. It never is going to stop. <laughs> so everybody knows who John Travolta is, I think. But the fact is, is that we as consumers think that any star, any star has drawing power to the box office anymore. Oh, it's wrong. It's not true anymore. There's no way. There's it not ha- one star. The only thing that draws the lemmings to the box office is throwing out something that's familiar, a.k.a. Uh, comic books, movie, comic book movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your Twilights, your garbage like that. Or it's either that or you're just rehashing up some uh, former Remix. celebrity, no. you know, like, or like a biography or something like that. That's the only thing that's going to pull people to the, uh, to, the, to the theaters these days. And, and, I mean, there's arguments to be had. You know, maybe someone can say, no, Tom Cruise is a box office draw. I think, you know, he still has it across the world. I'm talking about America. Let's say that one more time. These people aren't draws. America doesn't have star power anymore for box office. So John Travolta's star power is gone. He's a name, you know, but guys like him and Nicolas Cage, like the films and work they do, or John Cusack, or all these guys that I think had a, a, a mid-level, too large draw at a time, I mean, they're they're not going to do anything now. What about The Rock or Kevin Hart? It just seems like those guys are constantly putting out movies, but they're not good movies for the most part. Every now and then they put out a movie that's okay. uh, I think The Rock has box office draw, but not like like what what I when we grow up, think about it. Think about Harrison Ford, Julia Roberts. Think about like Arnold. Arnold, like it would be like huge box like line out the door. Just because Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing a movie, you know, like, I remember being super excited for the Batman movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I walked <laughs> out of there so pissed, dude. I <laughs> but you know out what? Of there's so mad. I saw that in the theater. Line out the door. Yeah, but that was a comic book movie. But I, I mean, I do. It was think, a comic book movie, but the star power was yeah, there, though. I mean, yeah. it's like you had uh, what was his name, George Clooney. You mm-hmm. had 
Alicia Silverstone. So, I mean, yeah, those names were still draws. But nowadays, dude, you could slap anybody in there, and it doesn't matter. As long as it's something familiar, it'll sell. Now, I, wonder, I wonder if people agree with us. Because we talked about, like, Sandra Bullock. She can draw on Netflix for sure. But I'm talking about box office. Well, Leave the house and come watch this. Yeah, case yeah. in point, though, look at the average pay for these actors. They're not getting paid what they were getting paid 15, 20 years ago. They were getting paid way more. No, yeah, it's different. Nowadays, now. it's completely different, dude. They're only getting maybe four or five million per movie. When before, they might get 15, 17 million. So for me, saying that it bombed at the box office is kind of unfair. We'll see how it does on video on demand and whatever streaming platforms. You know, a movie th- like this, the mm-hmm. only way a movie like this succeeds is because there's no way it's going to succeed at the theater. The only way a movie like this succeeds is if it quietly ends up getting a following. Like, dude, I didn't think this was going to be good, but my God, it might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. The message behind it was amazing. It, it's got to get one of those grassroots followings. That's the only way movies. That's the only way movies make money nowadays. If it's not something familiar, and it's sad. Mm, yeah, it is. I agree. I, I do agree. Stephen um, King's It's coming out. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be the big movie. But again, that's familiar. We yeah. all grew up with Pennywise. We remember uh, who was the original Pennywise? Tim Curry. Tim Curry. He was amazing think. in that. I remember that was that was like a game changing character. So now to see this character back in the fold again, you know, I mean, it's like in they, an R rated movie. Yeah, like you said, it's packaged perfect. Yes, it, it, it truly is. But there, nobody's going to see it because you know, Bill Skarsgård's whatever. Uh, Pennywise. Yeah, Bill Hader. Going. Bill Hader's in. I love Bill Hader. I, I now I'll go see a movie because of Bill Hader, but you know that's only because I don't think he would intentionally pick something dookie. Now let's talk about some actual draws uh, in music. Definitely, Tool is on pace. Heard of him? You heard of Tool? We yeah. talked a lot about him last week and the week before. Eventually, we're going to stop talking about him. How are you? A week after listening to the record, you still agree with your review? Or is, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, solid man. If you if you like a Tool record right off the bat, you're going to love it the more you hear it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Vince did put a uh, review on it. He gave it four stars. That's eh, in the same ballpark. Well, I think it's I think it's a, a a very good review. So make sure you guys check out that record. But Tool is on pace for the number one debut on the Billboard charts, unseating Taylor Swift. Now. By unseating, understand that uh, Taylor Swift's first week was 670,000 copies sold. That's the biggest sale for uh, 2019. And so Tools is looking at about 240 to 260 uh, first week, including streaming now. Her second week's looking like 220 to 240, which is still really impressive. But for us to take out Taylor Swift in week two, uh, us rock and metal guys, is that something we should be super excited about? Uh... I would like to see something else. I want to make sure that I, get, I see some newer bands that have come out in the last like you know ten years that release an album and they get the same amount of, of fanfare. Because again, this is Tool. This is thirteen years of build up. If you're any fan of music, regardless of genre, you've heard of Tool. You may have been inspired by Tool in some shape, fashion, or form. So when they release an album, it's an event. I want to make sure that I see one of these guys that have released an album maybe, you know, three to five years ago. And then is that record going to be able to garner that kind of fanfare? Taylor Swift fans uh, got upset about it. It's funny. You can take on the social media where you can always find someone talking shit. And uh, some people said, how can you even get mad when you're a Taylor Swift fan? She's thinking she's singing about churros and, you know, high school love and dog shit like that. I mean, it's like, if that, if <laughs> that's a, a churro I don't know. Song. Maybe there is. I mean, I'm just thinking about <laughs> shit that 14 year old girls like, you know, oh, my God, look at these socks. You know, I'm like, I don't know, dude. Sure. It's just like whatever they're into. You know, she's she's singing to like this demographic. And the thing is with Taylor Swift, what I did read is she got a little political on there. Oh my God, another artist that's slamming Trump. Get out of here. You know, so that's all it is, dude. It's like she's just one of these people that play to the masses and more power to her. I'm not gonna take anything away from her. She is extremely talented. She's got the whole package, but it's it's not music I wanna listen to. It but my deal is is when you're a fan of pop music and you're upset that something from the underground might like, why are you upset? Some no of the one, comments. No one's, yeah, no one's gonna slap your. No one's gonna slap the CD out of your hand if you're if you're walking around with a Taylor Swift album. Like, what? Why are you getting so upset about this? What does it matter if she's not number one? She's not gonna be number one forever, morons. Some of the comments. Grandpa's discovered iTunes, I guess. Mmm, ageism. And other people were uh, shocked because they never heard of Tool, saying, "Oh my God, the length of each song made me shook." And then somebody was like, hopefully this lowers their streaming by a lot so Taylor can be back on top. So, eh. 
How sad is your life? How sad is your How life? sad is your miserable millennial piece of shit life for Damn. you to get upset oh. about Taylor Swift not being number one? Brandon got personal. I know. I, I don't I, think I, these are millennials. I think this is a generation after. Okay, well, whatever. The the cunts. Let's just call them that. <laughs> We're not going to call the, the cunt generation. The cunt generation. It's the C word generation. We were generation <laughs> X. They're generation C. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about... Uh, Maynard and Tool, man. Uh, a while back, Maynard did uh, Justin Bieber from the... Maybe he's from the cunt generation. You, you decide. I don't know. He might be a millennial. Well, the point is he, he was a fan of Tool. He put out a post reciting the lyrics to The Pot, and Maynard's response was bummer. And a lot of people were like, oh, he's so mean, yada, yada. You defended uh, Justin Bieber on the show. I defended Maynard, if I recall correctly. But Maynard decided to give us kind of what he meant when he was on uh, the Beats 1 radio show. So I'm going to go through this. Now, keep in mind, he's explaining what he meant by saying hashtag bummer. That's all he said, hashtag bummer. This is what and that's, he, There's so many, many ways you can... You can, you can... Bro, you can take that anywhere. But this is where Maynard took it. Let me read it to you guys. He's probably a good kid. It's the, it's the crap that surrounds him. He was never armed with the tools to handle it, and the people surrounding him are monsters. He is living in an ocean. God bless him. He's a product of those things that we've spoken about numerous times on every project I've ever done. So when I make a statement like hashtag bummer, it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with I know that ocean of shit that's going to follow because he couldn't just be a quiet tool fan. He had to say it out loud, and now I know the flood's coming from the people that don't get it and the people that think they do, and they're going to argue with each other. And it's going to be stupid, and it doesn't matter. And this poor kid's caught right in the crosshairs as he was, as he is. So, he's his, right. He's completely right, but his bummer wasn't at, like, this guy's a fan of mine. His, his bummer was like, oh, now you're going to get... Because Tool gets a lot of hate. The people that hate Tool are real vocal, you know? And the people that love Tool are real vocal. So you always get this kind of mix of just ugliness when people are talking about tool because i don't know they're, they're set up a certain way so he's trying to say bummer that he's going to get that well i uh, i kind of took it as one of these rock guys that's like oh you like pop music i inspire Justin bieber man i this sucks like i i kind of took it as that kind of a douchebag response you know what i mean like he was just kind of overdoing it to appease the rock fans that don't like this pop music crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that I mean, who who didn't take it that way? Who would have taken it the way he described it? That's what I'm getting at. Who who would have ever put that? Like together? if I were Justin Bieber and I saw that, I'd, oh, Ma- Maynard, why, dude? I'd be upset about that. I'd be like, I'd be like again, dude, you made that up later. You look, thought about that later. And look, he is part <laughs> of Generation C. But my thing is, is like. I, you know, but I, I don't hate the kid. You know, I mean, it's like go ahead and, and go out there and, and, and do your thing, spread your art. He is wildly popular. He could play instruments, he could sing, he could dance, he could do all that stuff. It's just not for me. But my deal is, though, is if you're Maynard, why say anything at all? Why would you go out there and put this message that can be taken one way or the other, taken completely opposite from the way you meant it by one word? We did talk about that at the time. Yeah, he might just put hashtag dude, and we're like, dude, like, how did you mean dude? Dude, like, dude. Okay, but dude, like, how would you mean it? Let's let's do that. Do you think that's his fault, though? Don't you think that's kind of going to be more or less... Why do we interpret one word into a, such a, a negative or positive meaning? Why, 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 do, why, do we, why do we go to that level? Because I, I, I read right past it. I didn't care. We brought this yeah. up about Maynard before. He's such an enigma, and he stays in the shadows, doesn't do a ton of interviews. So when he does say something, when he does tweet something, it's a big deal to the to mm-hmm. fans out there. To, and to the metal To the metal community in general. I you mean, know? to the music world. Right, right, it's exactly. It's a new story. Oh, yeah. Maynard said something. You know, the mastermind behind Tool said something. Oh, we, this has some gravity. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You have drink your wine and stay off social media if you got to sit there and put out some cryptic message like that. He does have a very uh, funny sense of humor for anybody that knows. Like, if you followed his career. I remember when I got, to, like, he put out the Schism DVDs. And the audio commentator was David Cross. Like, that's what they put on there, just so it's funny. But he's also, what's that Tim and Eric's awesome, like, movie? Yeah. Those guys, like, he did, like, little interviews with them. So he's got this really deadpan way of laughing at things. So I always see that approach whenever I see him talking. What was the album where it sounded like it was a Hitler speech, but it was, it was in German, but it turned out to be, like, a recipe for soup or something? It was, like... It was on Anima. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, but the thing is, though, is they, they had this really ominous music behind it, and he's and he's doing this really impassioned German speech. But all it was is a recipe. But the, the and then my point is, is that knowing that's his humor style, hashtag bummer, would be associated with oh bummer he's a fan that's that's, that's, that's what, what i'm getting, getting at. Yeah. yeah so that i mean and that's what it was but he he corrected it he's obviously said god bless the dude and he said and you're right it's hard to have sympathy for guys like justin bieber right it's because hard he to have plays sympathy for the masses there's no way that he sings these songs and really means what he's saying he just goes out there and he puts out the same stuff like taylor swift oh where, that's why like, we where the is, songs are where the songs are easily digestible and 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 look man i mean uh, more, again, more power to him. But if he didn't have abs, no one would give a shit about Justin Bieber. I'm gonna have to say I, I don't, I can't comment because I have never actually heard of. I don't, I don't know a Justin Bieber. Song I don't either. know a Justin Bieber song. So either. we shouldn't say that we know what he sings. And about. it's because he has abs. <laughs> if you're a good-looking person, I have no interest in your music whatsoever. Oh wow, that's uh, that's nice. I want to be able. Brandon to- loves you, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give him a call. So with that, with our little rant there on. Uh, us being uh, grandpas finding iTunes is what we are, I guess. Grandpas finding That's iTunes. That's why Tools number one. Generation Taylor C. Swift fans. Anyways, with that, guys, let's jump into our interview with Mika from Mono Lord. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter, the Metal Sucks podcast. On the phone, I got Mika from Mono Lord, and we are here to talk about their new album, No Comfort, which is coming out here September 20th. And also, you guys will be touring North America. November 5th, all the way till November 27th. So, Mika, let's talk about the new album. No Comfort has a, it's, it has a signature style and sound. Tell me about your journey through music as a fan when you were a kid and your major influences along the way. Well, uh, fortunately, I had a, a father and my, my uh, aunt, my, my father's sister, who uh, really were music interested as well. So they they were like sort of like supporting my music interest quite early on so they, my aunt took me once a month uh, record shopping and uh, introducing me to new stuff and like uh, there's a since I, I grew up in finland um there's a there's a, a old finnish band called hurricanes uh very like classic rock and roll kind of they, they didn't really even know how to <laughs> sing in english they just kind of a imitated stuff and words and <laughs> shit but they they were really jamming uh they were really big for me uh growing up and uh and then mutley crew and acdc and but uh once i turned into metal like just like more simple metal like metallica and uh and iron maiden and kiss uh, that kind of like then I took off on my own musical journey there. Yeah, I think those are uh, yeah those are great gateways. I think that's that's like any kid out there that if you're a parent and you want your kids to get into metal, you just nailed it. I think ACDC is the starting point. I uh, oh I, hell yeah, I give them so much credit. Like all the hardcore people that I know, I go ACDC invented the breakdown. That's how I see it, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I have no- oh yeah. I mean, like it's so simple mm-hmm. and so catchy, and it's 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 metal, rock, blues, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Man, and so that is like the best gateway. See, and, and I'll, see, I don't, I don't want to say anything negative about Motley Crue to you. I'm not a huge fan of Motley Crue. But tell me what about them got you really pumped as a kid? Just out of curiosity. I, I hear you. It's 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 a it's a it's a it's a weird thing. I mean, like um, I mean, I was really like a small kid when I was turning to Motley Crue, and it was a Theater of Pain mm-hmm. that got me into it. And uh, back then, it was more like the catchy metal uh, vocals and the text that got me into it but then when i started getting into teenage years i was like wait a minute <laughs> it is not that good so i'm not a i'm not a metal crew fan at all but that anyways like got me into the in the, the whole journey of heavy music though absolutely no i hear that I'll, i gotta tell you that's kiss is the band i hear from the most from people they're like yeah when i was a kid they were like my favorite band but i grew out of them and i'm like yeah you know they they cater to a certain style and sound because I was a much bigger Kiss fan when I was, you know, growing up. But then the older I sure. got, it didn't it doesn't do the same. And um, it's it's so interesting because, like I said, we no matter where we're from, like you said, you grew up in Finland. I grew up out here in Las Vegas, and the same bands kind of 
set the course for us to get into metal. And I think when we get to metal, the, the, the genre and when we kind of look for the underground stuff, that's when we really find our kind of voice. So what bands do you think oh, yeah. got to you, your voice after those gateway bands we just talked about? Uh, well, uh, I, I really got into At The Gate. Uh, I, I was playing uh, grindcore and death metal uh, early on as well. So I, I, got, I really got into At The Gate and uh, Typo Negative and, and uh, like, yeah, yeah, like a bunch of the like Swedish metal that, that uh, all the Finnish <laughs> metal dudes were looking up to as well. So, and, and Sweden was so close to us, so we could just get over, like, uh, the, the, there's a ferry, like a couple of ferries actually, like going over to Sweden, so you could just go there over the night and see some shows and go back to Finland again. And Meshuga from very early on, like it was Meshuga was big. Yeah, dude. And that's, that's the first part of the journey is getting the records, listening to the music. But then the second part, as we all know, when we get hooked is when we see bands live. So did you get to see yes. at the gates live during that kind of initial time frame when they, when they, um, you know, pre slaughter the soul or during slaughter the soul? Yes. Yes. Uh, they when they were in Finland, nice. they came touring quite often. So, tell us about that show. How was it? And um, was it big? Was it packed? Was it you know? Because there's a couple bands that came out here during that time. I didn't get to see at the gates, but I remember seeing Refused, and um, very small yeah, yeah. show. You know, so I think they they caught on later. But I don't know how it was. You know, in your region, were those bands on the same level they are today, or was it kind of a late bloom? No, no, yeah. No, it's it's definitely underground. Both of them. Mm. I mean, uh, metal was not that huge in Finland when when I was growing back. It, it was it was pretty big, of course, but uh, not at all as today. Uh, I mean, there were just like a few hundred people in the crowds, so it was like really big shows. I, like, I mean, like like huge sounding shows, but. Uh, there was not that much people and like definitely like refused uh refused was like just across the pond really like there's a boat from my hometown to their hometown so they were quite often in my hometown playing and they were playing for like maybe 50 people but still like it was it was an amazing show yeah they, they gave their everything cool so you got to see them too uh during that time frame yeah oh man yeah and isn't it great that both bands, I think, now are headliners, you know, um, across the yes. world just from that legacy. Um, and that's something that I think is, uh, it, it's like you finally get your due when you're a band as important as the two that we just mentioned. Um, because it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to know the impact until later, you know. That journey for, 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 uh, for a band like Refused and At The Cades at, at that time when, when they were making those like classic albums and not getting the same kind of attention as they're getting now it's quite heavy that journey uh trying to make it through <laughs> through the through life but like touring that much and trying to make it your own thing but it's, it's just economically it just doesn't go always through absolutely and that's the thing about bands like that that people never forget is that generations when a band impresses them as much as those did the generations keep talking about them and they keep passing them out like the acds yes like the motley crews like the kisses we're like no you have to hear this and uh those are bands that got that they got that next generation and next generation where people like whoa the shape of punk to come is you know what is this it's still out of left field like for music fans and it's 20 years old is it 20 years yeah it is wow um and yeah, uh, yeah. but that's something I love to talk about with guys because I think Monolord has such a signature, unique sound. You guys have such a a great style and sound, and your albums are you know a journey all the way through, which is for me as a fan, I, it's just very special. So I always wonder the trial and error of you guys as a band before you found that sound. Can you mm-hmm. tell us some of the stuff you guys tried before you kind of said this is what we sound like that failed? uh no not really because everything <clears throat> fell into place really naturally i mean like um uh, sound wise it was it was everything there um uh thomas and nesman they had their uh former band together so they already knew how they sounded together uh, i mean nesman hits 
hard. He he hits hard as fuck on huge drums. He he likes the size of toms, uh, like bigger bigger the better, uh, because it just sound naturally really good. And uh, and uh, so and Thomas like guitar playing style, it, they really sounded good together. And uh, I I met Espen um, through other projects, and I was I was kind of looking forward to. Uh, experimenting more heavy heavy stuff again uh so everything really fell into place naturally uh, it didn't really need that much looking nice dude so we were pretty much t- taking as a, as a on a surprise how how fast everything got rolling so you guys did your trial and error probably before you got to the band i i mean i mean like i i listen to a lot of stuff i listen to metal i listen to country music like like country western uh, and I, I listen to hip hop, trip hop, jazz. Uh, so like I've been playing all that too. Uh, I've been playing uh, um, more like a Deftones, Toolish kind of kind of band when I was younger, and uh, uh, I played grindcore uh, with a touring band called uh, Rotten Sound. They're still existing. They're still touring. They live in Finland still. I, I moved to Sweden, so I quit that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been playing country and uh, all that, and I still do. <laughs> I love that that you, that you, the country has influenced you. Now, is again, forgive me if I'm naive. Is is country primarily uh, come from America, or is there a lot of Finnish acts that kind of have that same folk and country sound that you kind of grew up listening to? Uh, it, it is, of course, more uh, American-based sound, uh, but but uh, there is definitely uh like a twist of uh, scandinavia in the in the bands that are here uh how they how they sound so uh, but but it, of course it is like one of the biggest cultural influences from the states uh, in that in that sound i mean it's it's, it's still heavy music but but it's more like a heavy on the on, on the lyrics like you know sad mm-hmm. lyrics I'm not talking about all the I, I lost my house and live on in my pickup kind of stuff, but but you know it's the the soul journey kind of heavy. <laughs> yes, dude, it speaks to you lyrically, which is uh very very important. I think, yeah, for musically, and I I do think that's a huge influence on on any kind of heavy music is because we even if we don't understand lyrics, it's like that's one thing I always tell people when you get the booklet and the CD and you read the lyrics, it's like you get it, even if like vocally, yes. you know, you might not pick it up on the first time. Um, and that's, yeah, it, it gives you the best of both worlds. Now with, with Monolord, um, you guys, you know, lyrically are very, um, translucent sometimes. I don't think that there's, there's direct things like you can take it however you're, you're speaking or wherever your mood is as a listener and kind of relate to it. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. Lyrically, do you also write for the band or, or do you guys write together? How does that work? Uh, Thomas has uh, done most of the lyrics, mm. uh, pretty much everything. Uh, he he definitely has to, uh, his own approach that suits his singing too. So um, on the first record, like uh, he, he he wrote absolutely everything. Uh, and on Vanier, I I gave some lyrics to that, but uh, uh, then after that, it's been Thomas all the way on the lyrics. Nice. And then with the one voice, though, you guys feel like that really represents, you know, a more genuine approach than, a, a, I guess, if you guys did lyrics together. Do you think it's probably better that way to just have, like, Tom, Thomas write most of the lyrics? Yeah, in a way, you know, like, uh, uh, it, of course, all goes through the filter uh, of Monolord, uh, the whole, all three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do, like, agree on everything like or the changes that are being made and everything so it's it's not like a like a freehand kind of solution but but uh, but he 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 definitely has a his personal touch to the lyrics that uh like you said that uh it 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 relieves a lot of room for interpretation on uh depending on how your mood is so we really like that yeah we really like that approach I love it. I, I love uh, that's that's the best way. It's the best way because you can get two different meanings, you know, as as the fan. Yeah. Your emotions come yeah. to everything that I th- I always say that like 
no matter what art you're watching, say you're watching a movie, if you come in with a bad mood, you're probably not going to like it. You know, it's like your emotions are going to always influence your experience, you know? Um, Definitely. Yeah. They can't be turned off. And, and that's why, but that, that the great thing about music for me, at least, and I think probably if you listen to it, there, there's times I've come in, in, in the wrong emotion and the band, if I listen to them or the songs, they take me out of it and they take me on their journey. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the power, man, or a movie. I guess we can say the same thing about movies. Um, but in uh, this record for you guys this is going to be your first one for relapse records out here in the States, a record company that we are hugely fond of. Obviously, all the bands have been on there. Uh, tell us your journey yeah. about how you guys signed with them and, and how that happened. Uh, well, uh, like we kind of um, came to the end of our journey on, on writing easy records. Um, uh, and we love Daniel and writing easy, whatever, he, what, uh, all that, he, that he's done. And uh, we still are really good friends and uh, we want to work together uh, on many levels. But uh, as a record label and a band, we kind of both agreed that we've come to, to like as far as we can. Uh, and uh, and uh, Relapse, of course, has a lot of good bands on the label. And um, they they kind of are, are a good way to represent us as well. Uh, and Daniel, knowing he knows the Relapse guys from before, so he could really introduce us to to them as well. But it's really really easy going guys at the Relapse. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, no. One of, obviously, like you said, if you look at the label, it's it's one that is held by generations and helped so much people get into heavier music and find new kind of art forms. Yes. You know, if you go from... And so many different, like, sub-genres in metal, too. Like, so it's it's not only, like, very specific sound that they have. They, they have so much. That's the special part. You can, like, you go back 10, 15 years, you can be like Brutal Truth, Dillinger Escape Plan, High on Fire, Mastodon. They were all signed to Relapse at one point. Yeah, yeah. And um, you would just pick one and be like, I don't know what I'm going to get. You just know you're going to get something interesting. And I love how you, know, you guys fit perfect into that, where it's like a lot of people will just see the label and be like, I'm going to check this record out. And it's going to fit because yeah. there's a process before they sign a band. They're like, no, we know what we're going to get. We're going to get something special. And that's why it's such right. a great fit for you guys, man. Um, one thing that growing up, though, for us, the importance of an American audience has always been vital for European bands kind of to get bigger on a global market. Um, do you think it's still that same way today? Or do you think maybe the European market is much more uh, accommodating for metal bands to, to get bigger? Uh, it's, it's, it's very different. I, I, um, I feel like that, uh, that, uh, the audience in, in the States in general are more hungry and social, uh, uh, types, you know, like that it's, it's easier to get in contact with the, the people at the shows and they're more eager to hear, all right, I'll, I'll let's see what you got, you know, kind <laughs> of let they give you a chance more in, in, in Europe, it's different because it's uh, so many like smaller markets it's every every country has its own kind of market that you have to uh, hit specifically on certain points and like sweden for example it's very sensitive for trends and uh, you really have to like be, be on the edge to like get an audience here which, which is why the reason we don't have one here but uh <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's different. I, I think it's easier to reach out in in the states. Gotcha. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I I do see where you're coming from. Trends though do have a big part of band successes and timing, and it's so hard because to get ahead of one. Um, do you, yeah. Um, I guess we can say that with all music. You know, it's not just exclusive to metal um, or hard rock or whatever. But um, do you think that? Um, I don't know. Do you think that that harms maybe the the genuine approach for a lot of bands that uh, jump on that trend and do get popular? Sure, sure, yeah, uh, that that does. But uh, that that's why I love like playing metal because like uh, most of the bands, uh, especially especially like in in our level and a little bit above, like uh, we we do our thing that is true to ourselves. So, I mean, it comes from passion of 
for metal and for for that sound. So it's it's not many bands in in our genres that that try to search for any trends. I I actually at least feel that, uh, and uh, and and the metal audience is also more uh, better taking uh, like yeah. Sub genres next to their uh, their <laughs> genre, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's it, it's more you can hear it more in more like the popular culture music and like pop country and and all these big artists because they try to like reinvent themselves all the time to stay valid in in some way. Absolutely, you nailed it. That is why we are fans of metal. You said it exactly. Is like you're right. They have to transcend. That's why when we go back to we talk about refused or at the gates. Twenty years after they break up, they have a bigger yeah. audience because you said it. Us as metal people, you just have to be original and you have to be yourself and genuine. And we do mock the stuff that jumped on the trends. If you look at a lot of the new metal yeah. bands that. Uh, blew up yeah. back in the day we, we don't look at them fondly from our genre no. you know <laughs> yeah. like okay yeah yeah we got you um and, and all that because that was the last explosion or all the bands that were if we even go back years the, the the grunge bands that all just jumped on the wave that were like i can sound like soundgarden no you can't it's not that easy you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah, and that's right we don't look fondly on them and they're forgotten but any of the bands that did something original we just talked about faith no more's angel dust on our show a little while ago that will have oh, a yeah. new generation across the world forever because of, of yes. they, they followed their heart. And that's, that is, I don't want to say exclusive to metal, but this is the genre that um, it's most important to, I think, for an artist. So let me, let me ask you some other things, man. What, what other passions or hobbies do you have in your life besides music that we might not be aware of? Well, uh, right now, <laughs> we haven't had time to do anything else than uh, model lord uh, i mean but uh but yeah uh, i i've been going to art school and I, I love painting and drawing so that that's that's something i i really do and uh, me and my wife uh, uh we moved out to the countryside so uh, we we got into interested in like like uh working in the garden but uh now it's mostly my wife doing that <laughs> because it's uh, i'm i'm away all the time <laughs> Are you talking about like painting like art or is it just kind of like drawing kind of more, more sketches and stuff like that? Or is it like more like scenic stuff? What, 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 what's your passion when you're painting something? What do you get most excited to do? I, I get most, mostly passionate about drawing mm -hmm. and uh, doing prints uh, at, at, at this moment. Uh, I don't really have the, the patience and the energy to put my time into like painting anymore mm. uh I, when i went to art school i, I painted more but uh i really don't uh, have that in, in me like like i don't have the time to put that there maybe sometime sometime in the future but uh, not right now yeah. mostly it's uh, drawing that's that's my stuff have you ever uh, attempted or but, had, had the thoughts to do maybe a comic book or anything like that yeah, I I have that. I, I I did a lot of that kind of stuff when I when I was uh, younger, just like like f fifteen years ago or something like that. But uh, uh, yeah, may, maybe maybe in in the future when I have more time to focus on that. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, and then the one thing I do notice about comics these days, a lot of it is going to be more computer based, um, which is fine. You know, it's 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 the art form has changed. Yeah. Are you more of a freehand type of person? Because it seems like doing comic books freehand would be um, a, a, quite a journey. You know, to do panel by panel. Yeah. Is that the way you like to do it? Yeah, or? I'm I'm more into that too. I I I, I I'm uh, limited in the in the technological. <laughs> sense i'm uh I, I have a bit of a technophobia uh, i don't really get all those programs and it takes even more time to learn uh, to like handle all those programs for drawing and like and putting together pictures so i, I like more the freehand painting and drawing yeah definitely dude. i think the freehand stuff you see these little errors that i think are really cool like someone's head yeah. would be perfect you know and uh, that's how yeah, I remember yeah. seeing the uh, the more human comic books, not like the superhero stuff, but like I remember growing up, and yeah. it'd be like uh, 
I guess like writer directors of comic books and, and the images wouldn't match, but you, you would just yeah. evolve. Um, and then that, that was something that I really liked, but I wonder if that's like going to die in art form because of, uh, computers and, you know, convenience matters to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's more like the independent comic, uh, book. Uh, th those people are, I, 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 they speak more to me and that because it of, it's of course like uh, harder to, to make a living mm -hmm. uh, as a comic book artist if you're doing by hand everything, you know, so it, all that technological development for drawing and uh, making animations and everything, it's like, a, yeah, it's, it makes it easier for them to, uh, as a profession. And actually live out of that so so I, I do understand why people go there but uh, but I, I agree with you I, I'm, I'm more into the mistakes and like it gets more character and they can put more time for the story and you know yeah and that's the great thing about hobbies and like passions is that um, if there's not a monetary gain you don't compromise you know you get to do yeah. it exactly how you want. I think everybody out there, even if they're not making money on a hobby, I think you've got to find a passion that you just, you just do for yourself, you know, artistically, you know, yeah. um, yeah. that's not, uh, I think that brings more peace and understanding of what comes out of you without your knowledge. I've, I've been a huge fan of that. Like with me, I, I've done comic books, I've done writing, I've done things like that for me, you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, and it's, it, it, like I said, it makes me feel, it makes me like myself, which is, important <laughs> i guess for sure yeah yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a, it definitely becomes everything like uh, like uh, drawing painting and doing music and everything it become comes a uh, form of therapy for you as well so. yes and we all need it uh, unfortunately we all need to yes I, i've said it uh, i say to my i have, I have a couple uh, you know kids and stuff like that and i always say to my friends i'm like you know you, you can't love anyone else until you love yourself and that's a lesson that we yeah. learn late in life you know um, yeah. <laughs> so some people were like, you know what I realized is like, I'm not treating people right. Cause I don't treat myself right. And it's like, it's a, it's a journey, yeah. but, um, man, and, and the, sure. the, the quickest way to do that is to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go draw tomorrow and just do something for myself and not show it to anybody else and be happy with it. And that's, a that's a, I think a lot of artists come from that and then they reach a certain level, like, you know, where they're like, I know how to now make a living off of this because I've done this for myself for so long. Um, yeah, but, yeah. and, and. I want to talk a little bit more about No Comfort before I let you go. I know uh, we've been on here almost 30 minutes, but this record to you guys, what does it represent? Because like I said, we're going to Relapse Records. It's a different label. Um, it's a fantastic record. It's going to get a lot of talk behind it. You guys are coming out here Thank to you. the North American tour. You're very welcome. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to promote it. But what was your mindset and your goals for this record when you guys were going in there to, uh, to create it? Well, like all of our albums, they really have a, like a natural development from the uh, album to the next album. Uh, but um, this this is definitely has a more of emotional kind of. It's a lot, lot more emotional in both lyrically and uh, the feeling of the songs. Uh, like you, like when you take. Songs like the title song "No Comfort," it's it's really heavy, <laughs> like in, in in the in the in the context of the like the lyrics and uh, so so it, we really kind of worked a lot on getting those emotions out of the songs and the, so so that they suit the, the lyrics uh, and we had more time into really work together with those uh, compared to. Like Rust, uh, we we did a lot faster, and we we recorded in our re rehearsal studio. But this time we really just rehearsed in our rehearsal studio and uh, went out to a new studio, working with a new friend of ours uh, with this album. So we kind of could focus a lot more into the uh, emotions of it. And there was less comfort for you because you were doing something new. Um, do you like that? Do you guys have, like not having that same comfort zone when you're creating uh, a new music? Yeah, that was kind of like the, the, the goal with this. Uh, so like, like we did three records uh, in our rehearsal studio. So we just kind of, uh, I mean, it worked 
well for us like it's sure but it's we have a really small rehearsal room <laughs> so we're kind of like rearranging everything for every single instrument that we have to record so uh, uh now it was just like uh, like we we just have to do something new and now we got to play uh, the drums the bass and one of the guitars everything all at once so we really could like focus on our uh, live energy as well so it, it was it was a new thing for us and it was exciting excellent man and i'm telling you man the listeners i can't wait till you guys get your ears on this record you guys knocked it out of the park it is definitely uh, gonna like I said, it brings you guys just up another notch. Yeah. This is your fourth record, and uh, every one has just been a stepping stone. But you guys have always brought fantastic music. No comfort, I think, is your benchmark right now. So I'm super excited to promote it. Everybody, I want to tell you one. Thank more you so time. much. Oh, you're super welcome, man. You're super welcome. I want to tell everybody one more time that record comes out September 20th. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering if you haven't heard it. And then North America, listen to me. So November 5th to November 27th. Check dates. Monolore is going to be out here playing, and uh, I haven't seen you guys yet, so I'm super excited about checking you out on, on this tour. So with that, Mika, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. All right. Thank you. See you out there.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. Both songs you heard is off the new record, No Comfort. It's coming out September 20th. Make sure you guys pre-order it if you dug those songs. First song you heard is The Last Leaf. Make sure you guys check out the video for that if you can. And the next song you guys heard is The Bastard Son. Again, No Comfort comes out September 20th. Make sure you guys do pre-order it. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for all the support on iTunes, the five-star reviews that keeps us going. Thank you guys so much for all that extra effort. Um, just to, that little click is all we ask for. Listening is priority number one, but that click shows us you're out there. And then also want to thank you guys again for supporting Rise to Offend, our other podcast. We really appreciate that. This week we will be doing Steve Biko, so that's going to be a, a rough one. I get worked up on yeah, that. It's a, it's, I get real worked up on that one. It's a rough one because the story of Steve Biko is a beautiful story, but yes, a, a heartbreaking one I, for it's us. It's beautiful slash tragic. Yes. It's so, ugh. So anyways, guys, make sure you check that out. And we thank you guys. If you have anything to comments on anything we have to say, rise to offend at gmail.com. That's my email. I'll respond to all you guys. Until next week, my friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.